puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Conklin's pass, a shot, they score! Shankly Connor scores! What a stop by Hellebuck! Nikolai Ehlers off the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we're joined here on the pod by Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. we got a great show for you today. Pierre-Luc Dubois is our guest, and uh, great timing with that one as he scored a big goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the third period to seal a 7-4 victory. So I uh, look forward to hearing from him. we got lots to talk about. Uh, of course, Mitch will give his week in review. Uh, Paul Edmonds is going to talk about Mark Shifley's recent hot play. Uh, the shorthanded success that the Jets are having, Mitchell will touch on that. Nikolai Ehlers made his return this week. We'll touch on that as well. And then in the back half after the Dubois interview, we'll talk about the week ahead and the challenge of staying in the fight to the bitter end in hopes for a playoff spot. Uh, But Mitch, we'll start with you, of course. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets sit seven points back uh, in the wild card race. But if you look at the last block of games, they've got points in four of their last five and six of their last eight. They came off a really big win at home uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, and then they've had some wild games and uh, a not so fun one to, to rehash against the Rangers. But I'll leave it to you to uh, go back and look back at the weekend that we had. Yeah, it's a kind of um, to kind of bookend the week, really. I mean, you had the two games between against the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Those Games were eerily similar in that the Jets got off to just sensational starts in both of those and only to have the opposition come back. Now, the Montreal game was kind of weird in that it was Winnipeg 4, Montreal nothing, and then it was 4-4, and then it finished 8-4. The Tampa Bay game, you know, the Jets got up 2-0 early. Tampa makes it 2-1. Jets make it 3-1. By the end of the first period, it's 3-3. So in either case, you had you had a team coming back. But I thought what the Jets did well in both of those games was just they had the ability to kind of reset themselves. Like the first period against the Tampa Bay Lightning was a wild. It was just, it was back and forth. There were chances all over the place. And then in the, in the second period, the Jets would shoot Tampa 11 to four and really didn't allow a whole lot. And I felt that really kind of settled the game down for the Jets. And then you got into the third period, they make do on a, on a power play, as you mentioned with Pierre-Luc Dubois scoring there, then Kyle Connor scores just like a sensational a shorthanded goal, taking advantage of a, an errant pass in the neutral zone. And, you know, I think we talked leading into that game about how a big win like that can be, you know, a galvanizing moment for this team. You know, you get up the two time Stanley cup champs coming in and if you're able to beat them in regulation, you know, that, you know, can send some, some strong vibes throughout the dressing room. And I think that hopefully that's what happens as the jets head out on the road for their, for three of the next four, but yeah, over the course of the road trip, yeah, you would have liked to have a different result against the Rangers. You know, Igor Shesterkin, I think, came as advertised in that one. Uh, the Jets get 46 shots on goal. He stops 45 of them. I think they would have liked to have get a little bit more traffic, but there just wasn't a whole lot of second-chance opportunities in that game because Shesterkin seemed to swallow up absolutely everything. The heartbreaker, I think, was the, was the overtime loss to Dallas just because, once again, you know, the Jets had – a couple of opportunities before Dallas ultimately ends up putting in the, uh, the overtime winners. So the three overtime losses that the jets have to the Dallas stars this season in all three of them, they had really, really good chances to win the game in overtime. And uh, 
you know, in the first two, it was Jake Ottinger keeping them out. And then it was Braden Holtby and the, uh, the one on Friday. So those, those ones are always tough, but I think to end a, a homestand with a two, one and one record. And Paul and I kind of talked about this uh, a little bit on the, uh, the pregame show heading into the Tampa Bay game. If you're able to get a win out of that one, you get five out of eight points. It's a pretty good, pretty good clip. You have to get a little bit better in terms of points percentage uh, to get yourself into a playoff spot but it's a good start uh, for the Jets at the start of March and they're going to be able to hopefully carry that into this three game road trip coming up. Paul, let's talk about Mark Shifley's play this season. Uh, recently anyway, uh, he had four points against the Tampa Bay lightning. He had a three point night against the Montreal Canadians. Things just seem to be clicking for him a little bit better than they were in the front half of the season. Just what have you liked about Mark Shifley's play and what's allowing him and that line uh, to have some success uh, this uh, this recent stretch? Well, there's no question. I think that he feels some pressure to perform and most players in his situation as leaders and top point producers for years do. They understand that. But for Mark, I mean, the start of the season didn't exactly get off to a consistent start form for various reasons. Number one, he was suspended for the first game, a carryover from that Montreal series and that hit on Jake Evans. And then he gets COVID. And then, you know, there's the stop and start nature to the season, certainly around that Christmas break. And then now you get into a situation where, okay, you need your best players because you're on the outside looking in. And I think Mark Shifley has said all the right things. And then, has put his money where his mouth is and tried to lead this team offensively and deliver the points necessary for them to put up goals so that they can win games. There's always going to be the criticism of Mark about the way he plays in his own zone, but there are times when you see Mark come back and make good defensive plays. Um, sometimes I think that when you have offensive players, you're always striving for that 200 foot game and that they've got to be as good in one end as they are in the other. Well, there's only a certain number of guys that can really do that at that level. Mark's still trying to get there. He's now late twenties, but still, I think Mark is always working on his game, but he's an offensive player. And when you can put up points like he has, and he's nearing the point where he's at a point per game pace once again, and he's just slightly off that. And I would dare say Tyler and Mitchell that he's going to get there again based on his recent play. And if he does, that's six straight years where he has been a point per game player. Sometimes when you get those types of players, you'll give a little bit on the defensive side to get more on the offensive side. What you need to do is surround him with guys that can play a little bit more or be more adept on the defensive side. And certainly I think Paul Stastny is that player on the left side and Blake Wheeler, as we saw in that game against Tampa can come back and really help out defensively. Mark has stepped up his game to be succinct. There's no question about it. He's had to, like I said, he's felt some pressure. He's talked about what they need to do. He's gone out and tried to deliver it. And I think that if Mark Shifley continues to drive the way he has with 25 games remaining, as we do this podcast on the schedule for the Winnipeg Jets, that they might just make a little bit of noise getting back toward that line and maybe getting past that playoff line. Because quite frankly, if Mark doesn't drive the offense here and the Jets don't have two lines going with that Dubois line and the Shifley line, then it will be a miss for the playoffs this year, despite where they are right now. If Mark continues to play where he is and as well as he has complementing that Dubois line and vice versa, then the Winnipeg Jets are going to have a chance. But I think Mark has certainly played his best hockey 
of note recently than overall this season. And if that continues in the remaining 25 games, I think Winnipeg will have a good chance to at least make this interesting right to the end. Mitch, the uh, special teams have been uh, a topic of conversation for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, specifically the penalty kill. Um, you know, if you look at a, at a, a bro- with a broad stroke, obviously they sit 20th in the National Hockey League, but I think uh, it's no surprise that if you look back since January 1st, they sit in fifth and seemingly have a, a, a scoring opportunity on, on almost all of their penalty kills uh, as of late, including Kyle Connor with a shorthanded goal. Adam Lowry has a breakaway seemingly every night uh, with one man down. So just what uh, what types of things are they doing right now that's uh, allowing success on that uh, penalty kill? I'll do you even one better uh, in terms of your statistical analysis. Oh, okay. If you go back to December 17th, they're at uh, their fourth in the National Hockey League on the penalty kill uh, since that date. And it's, but either way, whether it's January 1st or it's December 17th, I mean, it's just been sensational, the turnaround and, and so much of it. And I think Kyle Connor uh, referenced it after the game against the Tampa Bay lightning, just the fact that, you know, you, you go back to the game against the Seattle Kraken in Seattle jets win that one three, nothing, but there was a shift in how the Winnipeg jets played on the penalty kill that night. It was all about be more aggressive, force teams to make decisions because if you're the power play and, you know, you get a, an easy entry and then the, the penalty kill just kind of sits back and, and lets you kind of work it around and tries to, you know, take away lanes and all that kind of stuff. Like it can work. It certainly can. Um, but what makes it more difficult and Kyle Connor kind of referenced this one as well is if you're pressured to make a decision constantly when you have the puck on the power play, more often than not, sometimes you're going to bobble it. And when that bobble happens, the Jets are all over it. They've been able to create those turnovers and get it sent down the ice. And pressuring players to make a decision, this leads to why Adam Lowry's been getting, you know, all these shorthanded breakaway opportunities or, or two-on-ones with, with Dominic Toninato or Andrew Kopp, whoever he's out with. It just kind of comes down to the fact that they're in the, the opposition's face. So, you know, a defenseman gets a puck at the blue line and Adam Lowry's within stick length. I mean, Lowry's got a great reach to start with, but he's also uh, such a defensively responsible player. He knows kind of exactly how to play that situation, how to play it aggressively, but not to get himself out of position. And then if you force that bobble or turn the puck back the other way, now Lowry, and this is probably what has stood out to me the most over the last little bit when he's been getting all these breakaways and he's got, I guess, five goals in his last nine games or so. It just seems his first three, four strides have been so quick that he's been able to, you know, force that turnover, get the puck going the other way, and then he's gone. He's able to, you know, get past whatever defender is in his way and then get down the ice and start to create an opportunity back the other way. Now, these breakaways are not necessarily what you're looking for all the time as plan A. Plan A is just, you know, force that turnover, get the puck down the ice. But, you know, if you're able to, you know, create these opportunities for yourself, now all of a sudden the penalty kill Job number one, of course, is to kill the penalty. But if you're able to get some offensive chances out of it, all of a sudden, you know, it's creating some momentum. There were a few times over the course of this homestand that the Winnipeg Jets would be killing a penalty. They'd get an offensive chance. And then, you know, the crowd would, would get into it. You know what I mean? Like they, they would kind of get on their feet a little bit. And that creates some momentum off of a penalty kill, which is huge for the Jets. Of course, you keep the Tampa Bay Lightning power play off the board. Sure, they created some chances. I mean, they're they're great players. They're going to do that. 
but the Jets created some shorthanded chances of their own, obviously culminating with the Kyle Connor uh, shorthanded goal in the third period that uh, ultimately proved to be the game winner. So the penalty kill has really been an, an asset for them. Uh, but to quote Adam Lowry, I'm going to do the, uh, do the one thing that I can only do and that's knock on wood. Cause uh, he, to quote him, he said, don't jinx us. So try not to do that. <laughs> uh, Paul Nikolai Ehlers made his return to the lineup after being out with the lower body injury for, for about six weeks, uh, finds himself on a three game point streak, uh, three points over that span, a goal and two assists. Uh, what have you seen from the young Dane since his return? Well, you could just tell as it was leading up to him getting onto the ice in the contact jersey or non-contact jersey, and then that got removed, and then he was ready for contact in practice. And then the day that three games ago they pronounced him ready to go, he was champion at the bit to, to get back on the ice. And what we've seen is the dynamic player that Nikolai Ehlers is with his puck handling and skating ability. And as you mentioned, Tyler, three straight games with a point and he's added points to a team that desperately needed offense I mean when you look at the Winnipeg Jets the amount of goals for this year goals against is going to be quite around the neighborhood of where they've been the last little while so nothing's really fallen off or overly and overtly kind of improved from that standpoint but the goals for Boy, if they keep on the pace that they've on, been on, they're going to be in around that 15, 16, 2015, 2016 mark. And from that standpoint, I mean, that's a team that didn't make the playoffs. So you get Nikolai Ehlers back into your lineup and it gives you three solid lines, you know, Dubois, Shifley line, and now the Lowry line. And the Lowry line is now your checking line. You feel very comfortable in line matchups if you're interim head coach Dave Lowry about who you put out there against the other team's best. And if you want to match Dubois, great. If you want to match Shifley, okay. If you're on the road and you have the Lowry line out there, you're okay with that as well. But also the layer that Nikolai Ehler provides, Nikolai Ehlers provides on that line is that quick transition and the ability to turn what is, I guess, term characterized rightly or wrongly as a checking line into an offensive line. And that just... I really think gives the Winnipeg Jets that quick strike offense that, that they have required all season. They miss Nikolai for those 19 games. There's no doubt about it. The other thing that I think that Nikolai really does, and this is important to the overall game structure of how Dave Lowry wants this team to play. Ever since he took over for Paul Maurice, he has talked about net front coverage, getting the puck toward the net, getting bodies toward the net, and just creating the chaos because it all starts net front, both in your own zone and then certainly to score goals in the offensive zone. For Nikolai Ehlers, despite the fact that he's only played 37 games to this point and he has 28 points, 14 goals in that time, he is third overall on the team in shots on goal, which means that when the puck is on Nikolai's stick, plays do not die in the offensive zone. That play, that puck usually gets toward the net. And that's important when you have a big body like Mitchell was talking about in Adam Lowry, the way he has all of a sudden found the score sheet. He's driving, he's using his skating ability and his size to get toward the net. I think that's important to the overall way the Winnipeg Jets want to play. And Nikolai Ehlers really adds to that in a large degree for the Winnipeg Jets to play that way by him getting the puck to the net. So he's been a valuable asset and addition again, back to the Winnipeg Jets lineup from that standpoint, I think 
you know, you're just looking for this team to remain healthy on the forward core because for the last three games, for the most part, they have been, they haven't really been that way all season. There's been stops and starts and, and hurdles and bumps in the road when it comes to COVID and health overall of the team with injuries. Well, now all of a sudden you're seeing the Winnipeg Jets finish a road trip or pardon me, a homestand before they go on a road trip with Nikolai Ehlers back in the lineup and points in in two of those three, but also points now in three of the four on the homestand. And Nikolai Ehlers has been a direct result of that. And Winnipeg needs that going into this road trip coming up to the East Coast and then St. Louis as they continue to try to strive for a playoff spot. He's been very dynamic, but we should expect nothing less in his return. All right, uh, now it's that time for our interview with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Lots of topics covered, including his uh, his two dogs, uh, Georgia and Philip. Uh, we get an update on those two. Uh, we talk about his game this season and just what's been working for him alongside Kyle Connor and Evgeny Svechnikov. Lots in this great uh, about 12-minute conversation. Enjoy. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets gear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. Hi, this is Pierre-Luc Dubois, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here by Pierre-Luc Dubois on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Pierre-Luc, we haven't chatted with you on the pod since you joined the Winnipeg Jets last year, and I asked you about your two dogs, Georgia and Phil. How are, how are they doing? Uh, it's a complicated story. Oh, um, no. Phil's with my sister now. He had uh, anxiety issues. Um, he's living his best life right now. He gets <laughs> to go to work with my sister every morning. Um, you know, he has, he has his my, – my sister works in office with – her boss and three other employees, they all love dogs. Okay. So he has his bed there, his bones, um, and the whole building, they all know who, who Phil is. Um, so he's, I mean, he's got his picture on the website, on the company website. He's like the assistant to the president or something. So he's, uh, <laughs> he's living his best life, Georgia. Um, she's as clueless as ever. Um, tumbled down the stairs yesterday oh, and, no. uh, she got right back up, sprinted upstairs. And so she's, she's, She's always good. Um, doesn't even matter where she is. So was Phil just having some issues being alone at home, or? Yeah, yeah. When I'd leave, he'd have hunger strikes, and no, no. It was. It just got to a point where, for him, um, you know, I, I a vet told me, you know, we can put him on like antidepressants or something. And yeah. He's a dog, and he's two years old. Yeah. I thought, okay, you know, there's definitely a better option. And my sister wanted a dog. Um, he's an unbelievable dog so yeah she's uh she's lucky to have him okay well i'm glad he's doing well and he's on the mend um switching to hockey stuff now last week you mentioned that you made some changes to your game and i'm not expecting you to tell us what changes but were they new things or was it something that you've done in the past and you kind of went back to the well type of deal or just how does it come about to make a change i guess yeah i think it's new new concepts um i'm somebody who i like to learn um no, not just in hockey, but in life. But yeah. I think that to expect different results and do the same things over and over again, you're you're kind of a fool. Um, so I like to I like to try new things, talk to new people, um, visit new concepts, new ideas of, of how you can change your game. I mean, I don't. I've said this before when I was younger, when I younger 19. But I've sure. said this when I got in the league. You know, I don't want to be the same player at 19 than I am at 28. And 
I think I'm a different player than when I first got into the league, but I, I want to be a different player when I'm, you know, in my prime than when I than right now. So um, for me, it's it's just talking to me. I mean, that it's not even like a secret. I just I sure. I, I wanted to to work with somebody that uh, you know I've heard great things about, and you know the concepts that we've been talking about, the video and everything. Um, I think has led to a, kind of a new aspect to my game that. That once I I get more and more comfortable with, um, you know, I could get closer and closer to the player I want to become. Is Davis put a huge emphasis on getting to the net, and, and you seem to be sort of embodying that. Is that sort of the kind of the key to success for you, or what sorts of things you have to be doing on a night in night out basis that lets you reflect on the game and go, okay, I had a, I had a good game tonight, regardless of the results. But mm -hmm. obviously, results are the main thing. Yeah, I think that. There's a lot of things, a lot of, I mean, every player is different, right? Um, you know, there's some players that if they don't score, have an assist, that a bad game. I never wanted to be that player. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be able to have a better, bigger impact than that. Um, you know, there's games that you're not necessarily going to have a goal or an assist, but you'll have dominated when you're on the ice. And I think bringing the puck to the net is just one of many ways you can impact a, a game. Um, you know, when you're out there, especially, you know, playoffs time, Game gets tighter, um, more physical. It's a best of seven series. So you might play them seven nights in a row. So it's all about you know who's going to give up first, who's going to get tired first, and 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 give that extra inch that leads to a goal. And and going to the net um, is is tiring. It's tiring to defend against. Um, so I think it is a part of my game. But I think it's a it's a way that you know. If you have a shift where you go to the net, bring pucks to the net, the other team has to defend for 20, 30 seconds. Maybe they don't have energy to yeah. to go back the other way. And, and, you know, maybe they just chip it out, go change, and you go change and nothing happened. But you put your teammates in a situation where they're attacking and, and they're not defending to start the shift. Uh, you've been playing with Casey and Evgeny. Just what's it been like to sort of be reunited with those two and just what types of things are you do, doing well that's giving you some good results right now? Yeah, I think that... Everybody on, on on the line brings something different to the table, and um, you know I think Casey. I've said it before. I think he's one of the most underrated players in in the NHL, and you know he's. I'm not even sure how many goals he's had. I stopped counting, but you know he's, he's like 33 now. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of those players that can score from anywhere in, in any situation. Um, and Svech is a smart player. You know he helps me a lot on the forecheck in the corners in front of the net. Um, you know he's. Always seems to always be at the right place at the right time. Um, know exactly where to put the puck, and I mean it's sometimes it looks simple, but it's there's a there's a there's a skill to it all. And um, you know he's I've known him since I was 16, and you know it's always been uh, enjoyable. Or it's always been fun to play with him. It seems like he's kind of been charting his own course here. You know he started great, and then things necessarily weren't working for him, and now he's getting to figure things out again with you guys. It's just kind of been fun or interesting just to watch him sort of become his own player here. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch and be a part of. And like I said, I've known him since he was 16. He was kind of my big brother when I played in Cape Breton. And, um, you know, he's had a he's, had a he's had an up and down career, you know, since he's been drafted. He's had injuries. Yep. Um, you know, he's played games in the NHL and the AHL, won the Calder Cup in the AHL. Um, but I think that for any player, it's hard to – it's hard to not know exactly where your job is and what your yeah. job is and, you know, where you stand. It's, it's hard to be, you know, you, you're playing maybe on an offensive line, but you don't have the leash 
to, to right and and then you make a mistake and then you're back down and then you know you start quite it's not it's not easy i mean i know we're all pros and our job is to be the best we can be but at the end of the day we're all human beings with emotions too um so for him to, to start, start the year off really well um and then you know to just keep going now i think he's a better player than he was at the beginning of the year and i think that you know the more the more he gets comfortable the more he gets confident um you know i see it day by day just talking to him um it's it's i think he'd be he is a really important player to this team team success obviously like i said earlier trumps all the individual individual success but for you obviously you didn't have the year you wanted last year and we've talked about that at length and you don't want to talk about it but just does it feel good to have put together a consistent year this season up to this point and just know that we know what kind of Pierre-Luc Dubois we're going to get on a night-in, night-out basis. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's funny to revisit last year um, because it just wasn't who I am. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people that didn't know me, um, you know, after the trade started paying more attention to me and then, you know, they saw what they saw last year and that's the uh, that's a picture that they painted of, sure. of me. Um, but, you know, anybody who's watched me play or known me for at least you know since my I've been in the NHL knows that what kind of player I am what what I can do and what I can do out there and um, like I said I, I want to keep growing year by year I don't want to be the same player in two years than I am right now I don't want to be the same player you know at the end of the year than I am at the start of the year um, I want to be better and better and it's easier said than done but um, I think that for me I'm, I'm just I'm still getting started I'm still young um, you know, I still have a lot of things to learn from from the guys in here, from from everybody. Um, so it's it's fun to it's fun. I, I'm not going to say to 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 even just or play well, but it's fun to you know do what I know I, I can sure. do, what I could do last year that that uh, just unfortunately didn't happen. You know, the team has had some adversity the last number of weeks, and I think some of your leadership skills have come through just based on your media availabilities. Just what does being a good leader mean to you and just where do you get some of those qualities and, and how do you build on that moving forward in your career? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to, to play with um, some pretty good leaders in my, in my career. Um, you know, I've, I haven't, it's not like I've been playing for 20 years, sure. but I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to be around great teammates and great players and great leaders. And I think it comes in all sorts of forms. Um, you know, those guys are more vocal. There's guys that are more, that do their thing and you know just you watch them and watching them do their thing is is what motivates you um but i think you know one thing that's always stuck with me is that you know words are great but actions speak louder than words and you know you can say all the right things and and uh you know yeah you can say all the right things but at the end of the day if you don't go out there and do them and it's it's kind of pointless and i think i think you know that's that's one of the things that's easy to see so to, to go out there and compete and want to win every game, um, I think that's the best kind of leadership. And you know, it's you have to do it on a Tuesday night, even if you're tired and all banged up and bruised. And yep. you know, on a Saturday night, uh, it's it might be easier, but you have to do it all the time. Uh, I don't know if we've ever asked you this, but did you have a favorite player growing up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of bounced around. I liked um, I liked Claude Giroux when I was a kid. Jamie Ben. Um, Sean Couturier, his dad and my dad are pretty close friends. So yep. when I was when he was playing junior, I liked him, and then he got drafted. So he kind of became one of my favorite players. But I'd say those three guys are probably a mix of of who my favorite players were. Got to be pretty cool then to 
play against those guys. I mean, you're so young. Like, all the guys that you would have grown up idolizing are still in the game. Just what's that like? Yeah, it's, it is special. Um, you know, it is, it, is, it is fun just to play against them. I, I uh, you know, I remember my first couple games against them. It was kind of like you're living a dream. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a little bit. It takes a while for, for you to fully understand that you're playing in the NHL against, against you know, these, these players. But um, now I think I'm – it's still – I mean, it's still pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. It's still pretty fun to play against these guys. But um, it's not as – as uh, nerve-wracking as the yep. first couple of times. Uh, last one for you. Uh, back earlier in the season, Nate Schmidt was doing a little content piece with us for the gala, and he asked you about exotic meats. Hmm. Uh, how is, have you found yourself an exotic meat dealer here in the city, or where are you at with that process? It's <laughs> uh, uh, a loaded question. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've found – we have a f- couple guys that hunt on the team. Okay. Um, I'm not that big on on hunting, but I am I am big on eating and 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 cooking. <laughs> so uh, I found a few guys that that will uh, support my 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 needs. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, my my fridge my freezer's packed full of meat. Um, I'll be good for the winter, and then when the hunting season comes, I'll be looking for for a refill. But for now, I'm I'm good. So is it all? deer and fish or what else do you have no i, I say exotic meats because i think it's funny but it's pretty much all deer, deer. <laughs> it's pretty much all deer i had some goose okay uh i mean i i love trying new things so yeah. i eat anything so um whatever is ethically correct yeah uh i uh, I'll, I'll give it a try what's the go-to dish that you would make with deer i i, I never cooked with deer so i wouldn't know probably chili i love chili yeah um it's easy. Put in the pressure cooker or the crock pot. Um, there's a few recipes. What else? I mean, for breakfast. Um, honestly, I I can eat anything at any point of the day. You know, okay. like, there's some people. It's like, why are you, why are you eating this in the morning? Uh, to me, I can eat anything in the morning, anything at night. Yeah. But yeah, that's. Uh, I think chili is my go-to meal for that. Pierre, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Winnipeg Jets fans, did you know that online 50-50 tickets presented by PlayNow.com are available for all Winnipeg Jets games? That's right, whether the Jets play on the road or at home, you can participate in the game day 50-50 draw. The winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Remember to buy your tickets on all Jets game days at WinnipegJets.com slash 50-50. Thanks for listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. We continue on with the podcast alongside Mitchell and Paul. Uh, Mitch, uh, the Winnipeg Jets head out on the road for a three-game trip. As we've mentioned, uh, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders are the first two teams up for the Jets. Uh, a back-to-back Thursday and Friday. And then on Sunday at 6 p.m., uh, the Jets take on the St. Louis Blues, who uh, the Jets seem to have had their number so far this year. So uh, just what are you expecting to see on this road trip and, and what types of things can allow them to get some success and get things going downhill in order to uh, chase that playoff spot? Well, the main thing is I think you can't take for granted who you're going up against. Like, yeah, sure, the the New Jersey Devils are a team that currently, you know, sits outside the the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. You know, they're what is it, 24 points back of the second wild card spot. So clearly, you know, they're not necessarily looking at a, at a postseason berth, but 
This is also the same team that the same night that the Winnipeg Jets were beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, the New Jersey Devils fell behind 3-0 to the Colorado Avalanche and then came back and scored five unanswered and beat them 5-3. They became the first team, I believe, this season to come back against the Colorado Avalanche and win a hockey game. So, sure, the New Jersey Devils are a team that gives up goals. Their goal differential this season is minus 29, but they're also a team that can score. So they've got 176 goals for this season, and that's uh, right in and around uh, a number of the teams that are in the postseason in the Eastern Conference. So they're a team that can score, and then, I mean, the last time that – they were here in Winnipeg earlier this season. The final score was eight to four. So clearly, you know, there's going to be some offense that night, but I think the Winnipeg Jets have to almost take what they did in the second and third period against the, uh, against the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, play that defensively sound game and generate off of that, get your second chance opportunities and do what you can from there. So uh, the devils have won a couple of consecutive games. So that's not an easy one. Then the next day you go in new facility. That's going to be an exciting part of the road trip. Uh, when you play the New York Islanders also outside of the, the postseason picture currently in the Eastern conference. But I think the weird thing with the Islanders is like a minus 15 goal differential. I mean, there's just, you, you think of them as this defensively solid hockey team that, you know, things haven't gone their way so far this season. They're got losing records at home and away. Um, and they lost their last time out too. So you want to make sure that you you kind of keep your game consistent as you go against a couple of teams that are outside of the playoff picture. And then, like you mentioned, you know, you go up against the St. Louis Blues team that's currently sitting second in the Central Division. Um, they're 19-7-2 and at home. But like you mentioned, the Jets have kind of had their number this year. They've won two of three against St. Louis. You'd love to make it three of four. And you would be able to take another you know, central divisional series uh, away from someone that's in your division. So um, obviously a lot, uh, a lot to take in when it comes to this road trip and certainly some opportunities to pick up some points. You, you got to think the Winnipeg Jets want to get this road trip off to a good start, string some wins together and keep this run of, you know, points in four or five, as you mentioned, going, because the more games that you're able to get points out of the more, you know, chances you have to kind of chip away at that deficit in the wild card race, which as you mentioned, sits at seven points as we record this podcast and the two teams that are in the wild card spots, Nashville and Dallas have a game in hand over Winnipeg. So you want to make sure that you're making, uh, making hay with every single outing that you have. And at the same time, improve that uh, road record, which for the Winnipeg jets currently sits at 10, 11 and eight. Well, lots of talk, obviously, about just the challenge that lies ahead. And they're seven points back of the playoff spot right now. It, it looks daunting, but just from a, a mental perspective, how difficult is this part of the season where this group not hasn't necessarily had to be in this position before? A lot of the times, you know, they go up against these desperate hockey clubs uh, in, in past seasons because they've been in the playoff spot and have and they're. The focus is about rounding out their game, not necessarily chasing that playoff spot just to get into the dance. Now they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. So just what's that mental challenge like as they try and stay engaged here uh, to the bitter end? Well, I think, as you mentioned in the appropriate word, the operative word is daunting, but you can't necessarily keep looking at the standings and you can't necessarily look at the out of town scoreboard. As Dave Lowry said, he said, we can't wake up in the morning to see if we've got any help. We have to take care of what we can that day. And the belief system gets stronger with each subsequent win. So after a game like 
the seven, four win over Tampa, you feel pretty good about yourself. Well, now you want to carry that over into a game against New Jersey. You beat New Jersey. Maybe you reduce that deficit to five or to six, depending on which team. And you get a little bit of help on the out of town scoreboard. You're not necessarily relying on it, but if you get it great. And now you pulled that team or those teams in a little closer to you. Okay, let's get to the next game. The Islanders, the next game after that. Let's see if we can garner a point there and get a little bit more help. This is the most important road trip of the regular season for the Winnipeg Jets, because I think that this road trip will determine whether they are going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline on the 21st. We're inside of two weeks before that NHL trade deadline on the 21st. This road trip will determine which direction the Winnipeg Jets go. You don't have to get all seven or eight points back on this road trip. Quite frankly, it's impossible. But if you can cut it to five or four, then you still have enough runway, in my opinion, and you've done enough to tell management, hey, Let's either remain status quo, or if you can go pick up a piece to help us, let's do that here and let's see where we get to. Otherwise, it's a sell-off of assets. But with each game that you play, that you get a point or two, and, and two is really optimal right now as well, you start to have more of a belief system. And we've heard from the Winnipeg Jets time and time again in the last couple of weeks that they need to get on a roll. Well, they played pretty well in the homestand, 2-1-1. One, and one. Now you're going on to a road trip where I think there's some winnable games there for sure, as Mitchell detailed. And if you can start to kind of grind out those wins and grind out points, you'll feel better about yourself. And all of a sudden, now you got points in five straight or you won three or four in a row. And you get a little bit closer to where you need to get to and hopscotch over a couple teams that are in front of you like Vancouver or maybe Edmonton. The other thing for the Winnipeg Jets here over the next little while is you only have two games against a team that you might be chasing for a wild card spot, and that is Vegas. And you have them both at home. So if you're still in the mix at that point, you still have some meaningful games against teams in the Western Conference. So I think the belief system starts to grow with each subsequent win. In saying that, I also know that despite the fact that Blake Wheeler talked about the youngness of their team the other day, and I think he wasn't necessarily talking about the age overall of their team, but just game experience when it comes to the overall makeup of the Jets. You know, Jansen Harkins under 100 games. You've got Andre, um, or pardon me, Evgeny Svechnikov still under 100 games in his career. Dominic Toninato just went over 100 games this year, and he's into his late 20s. That's sort of what he was talking about being young, but the foundation, the group of this team that's been here for a long time, the core knows how to win. And I think that if it's going to happen for them, it needs to come from that group, which we've seen over the course of the last couple of games. And while it might seem like it's pie in the sky right now for a lot of people for the Jets, all you can do is literally cliche. I know take it one game at a time and worry about that night. If you get two points, you get a little bit of help in the end of town scoreboard. You still have a lot of runway to try to make up the ground. And maybe you've saved the best for last in your season. Let's see what happens. Great analysis as always, uh, Mitchell and Paul. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, you guys have a plane to go catch uh, as you head to, to Newark uh, to start this road trip. Uh, I will not be in attendance for this one. I will be staying home and uh, doing, I don't chores. know what, but chores. We yes. There will, there will be plan? Yeah, there's, there'll be some things done around the house, I think. Uh, also, uh, 
little thing to update the the fans on. We have our guest set for next week already. Interview hasn't been done yet, but uh, and I won't say who it is, but uh, let's just say a former Jets 2.0 tough guy is going to join us here on the podcast. And it's not Chris Thorburn. We've had Chris Thorburn on the show before, but another 2.0 Jets tough guy uh, is going to join us. Uh, and we're going to see what he's up to. And apparently he's uh, looking to become a, I'll call a first responder. I won't give it away, but anyway, look forward to that. On behalf of myself, Tyler Esquivel, Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton, 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds, and of course, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. Proceed, we're able.